Well, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. I want you to stand with me in honor of the reading of the word today. Go to Mark chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 17 in just a moment, a very familiar event that happened in the ministry of Jesus. But this one is going to, we're going to use this to start out the new series, Testimonies. And y'all have been sending me testimonies. Just go to test, uh, just send to testify, testify at grfirst.org. And what we're going to do starting today, I believe it's today, we are going to be posting all of the testimonies of how God has provided for you, given you wisdom, blessed you financially, blessed you with healing, and we're just going to put the word out of what God has done in your life. How many of the Bible says that they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Boy, that's a whole different thing. I'm gonna share that sometime, the testimony, but I want you to share testimonies. Share it. And we are just going to build people's faith to believe God to do for them what he's done for you. Testimonies. But we're also doing this series where I'm gonna talk about just for a moment that when God blesses you, especially with provision, when he gives you resources, when he blesses you with abundance, when he blesses you with jobs, finances, jobs and better jobs, dividends, stock, stocks that are being revived, God help us all. <laughs> but when he does that, why does he do that for you as a follower of Jesus Christ? Because I really believe that when God blesses me in any realm, whether it's my position, my talent, my time, my words, my money, whatever it is, I believe there is a test to see what he has released to me. And that's just not for your pastor. That's for you sitting there right there on the sofa. He is testing you with what he's given you. So when it comes to testimonies, I like to say that when you do receive blessings, it's really a test of your monies. It's really a test. That, that job promotion, that degree you just got, test. Test. That trial you're going through, test. That recognition you got, test. All a test. What are you going to do with it? So today I want to talk to you about being sold out to Jesus. Not S-O-L-D, but S-O-U-L-E-D. Your entire soul surrender to it because he's going to ask you for your entire soul. Not just part of you. So let's take this story, okay? Here we go. Mark chapter 10. Verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to have eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Jesus recognized this young man. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother, be a member of Grand Rapids first. <laughs> I'd love to have this person in my church. I wouldn't mind having them. Be good. 
teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Is Jesus saying you can actually buy your way into heaven? Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad. The Bible, some translate say grieved because he had great wealth. This was a true test of monies. Before you sit down, look at somebody, just say it in faith to them, say, I'm selling out to Jesus. Come on, just I'm selling out. The whole thing, I'm selling out. You can be seated in the house of God. Man, would I love to have this happen today in my service. I mean, look at this. Look, look, this is an easy salvation. This is a pastor's dream. I just wish I didn't have to wait for the music. I wish it didn't, we didn't have to spend all that we spend, take all the time we take. I mean, wouldn't it be a dream? Pastor, what do I need to do to get saved? How do I get eternal life? Pastor, tell me what I need to do. I wish it'd just be that easy. I wish we didn't have to have a debate. I wish we didn't have to tell the existence of Jesus, the inerrancy of scripture. I would love for them just to come running to me. What a dream. Pastor, tell me what I need to do to get saved. And it's interesting that Jesus does not say the issue at hand is not your works. Be good. He is saying this is an issue of faith as it relates to eternal life with me and to follow me. And when we say an issue of faith, now just stay with me for a moment, okay? It's an issue of do you really believe in me? Do you really trust me? Am I truly your complete source? So look at this. Jesus is explaining, because the guys ask the question, how do I have eternal life? Now there may be some of you that may be atheists here today. There may be some of you that say, I am not a Jesus follower. Um, you know, I think there are many ways to get to Jesus. I, I, you know, I'm, in, I'm into Taoism, I'm, in, I'm a Buddhist, and, 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 and I just want you to hear me just for a moment. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, God with skin on that was crucified, he is explaining to you and me and to the world, if you want eternal life, this is how you get it. And he does this, he starts saying, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, this is what it requires. It's pretty heavy. And he gives the plan of salvation, he starts talking about eternal life, and in the middle, in the middle of him giving the explanation of eternal life, how to get it, he brings up the subject of money. Some of you would rather that I just talk about Jesus loves, Jesus saves, Jesus forgives, he heals. You'd rather, instead of, you'd rather have a root canal than me talk about money today. But if Jesus says, I'm going to talk about eternal life, and he brings up the subject of money related to salvation, then I think I need to bring it up too. Don't you think of Jesus did? And this is so important. Jesus says, if you're going to be a Christian, I don't care what your age is, 18, 16, uh, you're working at a fast food joint, or you sit in a boardroom and you negotiate billions of dollars. I want you to hear me. He says, if you're going to be a Christian, your money's going to be an issue. It is an issue that relates to your salvation, eternal life. Isn't that something? 
And this teaching was so important. Just think about it. This teaching about, about wealth is so important that Jesus said there is a spiritual danger that comes with money, wealth, position, power, your fame, your popularity. He said there is a spiritual danger and he's testing this, guys. There's, it's beyond money. This, the problem is not money here. There's something deeper. This is gonna get heavy today. How many are you ready for some heavy stuff today? Now, this is so important. I can't escape it. You're saying, I knew it. I get church gonna talk about money. I'm sorry. Jesus connects this guy's eternal life with how he's relating to money, the test of money. It's so important that Luke just didn't bring it up, but Matthew and Mark, three times they bring up this story. So if Jesus brings it up three times, this is a big deal. Those of you that are watching online, it's gonna be real easy to disconnect from this message, and I don't want you to do it. Because Jesus says this is important. In fact, it's so important that Jesus, watch this, this guy comes in and he'd make a great member at any church here in Grand Rapids. And here's what Jesus does. Jesus calls into question whether this man even has eternal life and will even be with him. He calls it into question. I didn't think he'd get this quiet this quick this morning. <laughs> so if he's gonna bring it up and he's gonna put it in there with salvation, I wanna pay attention to this. Your pastor wants to pay attention to this. You may ignore it, but I'm gonna pay attention to this because I truly want to follow him and I want eternal life with him. How do I relate? This everything is a test, friends. And here's the first thing that Jesus is pointing out here. This is what happens. Here's the deal. First of all is, Jesus is showing you can be sincere but not sold out to him. See, what this guy was showing is that you can be good without God. So I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a lot of sincere people that are going to be in eternal torment. And they were sincere. This guy was sincere. I mean, absolutely sincere. I mean, look at it. Look at, look, look at this. Uh, Mark 10, 17. You're going, to miss, you're going to miss things in this story that are so powerful. Look, it says, as Jesus started on his way, the man ran up. Everybody say, ran up. Circle the word ran. This is a big deal. Some of you don't think it's a big deal. It's because you don't understand the context of the culture. It says he ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to have eternal life? Now look, Jesus attracted the kinds of people who really needed something, folks. Look at the in this Revivals always seem to happen among this type of people. It always does. Because they're desperate. And the kind of people attracted were just broke people, poor people. He attracted them. They needed something. He had it. He attracted people that were sick. Doctors couldn't do anything more. He attracted them. And guess what else he attracted? <laughs> he attracted sinners, some pretty rough ones. He attracted prostitutes. He attracted them. He said, oh, come on, come on to the table. Come to the table. Sit down, let's talk. How many thank God if Jesus says they're invited to the table? We ought to say they're invited to the table. Come sit down, let's talk. Let's talk about this. I love Jesus for that. But he attracted all these kind of people. So these were destitute people, sick, poor, sinners. Nobody wanted to do anything with them. And along comes someone different that usually doesn't attend the service. Matthew describes him as a young man. So he's got the world by the brass ring. He's a young man. And then Luke calls him a ruler. And they call him rich. So he's a rich 
young ruler. He is an influencer. He is a TikTok sensation. He has got it together. He just, I mean, he's on the top of the world. He's, 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 he's knocking out all kinds of records in sales. He is doing phenomenal. He's a rich, young ruler. And the Bible says he runs into this crowd of destitute people. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. In the first century, running was considered undignified for any man to do in their culture. And the reason why it would be undignified is because when a man had to run, they would be encumbered by the tunic they wore, so they'd have to pull the tunic up, therefore their legs would be showing, and it was undignified, it was of lower class people, you don't do that. And what does this man do? He's rich, he's young, He's powerful, he's good looking, he's got designer robes. I mean, he's got it on, man. He is looking good. He's got Louis Vuitton sandals. I mean, he is looking good. And he comes and he runs in and humiliates himself in front of common, poor, destitute sinners. And he humiliates himself. And look what he says to Jesus. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm young, I got money, I got position, I got it all. Got the right boyfriend, got the right girlfriends, got the right money, got the right cars, got the right everything. This is what people say. But he says something's missing. And I don't have eternal life. And Jesus did tell him, Jesus did tell him in the conversation, you see Jesus tells him, keep the law, keep the law, go ahead and keep the law. Don't murder, don't defraud, honor your parents, don't be a jerk. He starts saying this. He says, but I've done all this since I was a boy. I mean, I have kept this. I'm telling you, I have kept this. Oh, this is the dream of every parent that their son would associate with a son like this. Why can't you be more like him? And Jesus says, I'm going to take this one step further. He said, I want you to take all that you have, go sell your possessions, give it to the poor, then you'll have treasure in heaven and follow me. And then the Bible says, he was saddened and he went away grieving. Jesus is showing that you can be sincere, but he's pointing out, are you truly sold out to me when I challenge you on something that is hindering you? And then Jesus goes into Mark 10, 23. Let's look at it. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, look at this, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Oh man, I'll tell you, there's some people who light up, yeah, go after those rich people. See, now some of you are going to size up the crowd by looking what they drove in and what they're wearing today. You're going to size it up and you're going to determine. That's the problem with money. Money makes you real judgmental of a person by what they're wearing, even if it's a nice car and they're wearing designer jeans. That tells me you have a problem with money. Oh my goodness. Are you sure you want to finish this message today? Because I will tell you, I was struggling going through it myself. <laughs> you want to size it up, but I'll be honest with you. How many of you drove here in a car? You're, only the, you're one of the 18% in the world that even has a car. You're considered wealthy, you go into any country. How many had a drink of water this morning, fresh drink of water? Great, 40% of the world doesn't have what you just had this morning. You're a whole lot wealthier than you went. So before we pick on anybody, you're wealthy more than you think. Preach, Pastor Sam. God bless you. I will. Amen. <laughs> so he goes, 
And he says, now I'm going to tell you how hard it is for a rich folk to make it in. And I was going, I want to stay broke then, God. <laughs> That's not the point here. Oh, God, just, if I can get in, I'll, I'll give all my money so I can make sure I get in. That's not the point here. He says it's hard. And then when he says it, this kid just grieves and he's taken back. He's dumbfounded. And he's not the only one dumbfounded. Guess who else is dumbfounded? The guys that are following him and have forsaken everything, they're dumbfounded by this. In fact, look what it says in verse 26. It also said it in verse 24. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who in the world can be saved? And they were amazed twice, twice. They were shocked by what Jesus said because they knew we don't have a chance either. Twice he said amazed. Now, why were they so amazed? In the Hebrew culture of that time, those followers of God in that day it was considered that when you had resources in your life, it was considered this is God's blessing and approval of your life because you have resources. Now those first century ears could understand if Jesus would have said, blessed are the rich. Blessed are those that are healthy in body. Blessed art thou because thou art comfortable in the bed you lie down in. Because thou has obeyed God because God does bless us. Can somebody shout amen on that one? But Jesus flips this thing upside down. He flipped the idea upside down in a culture defined by material blessing and the pursuit of material blessing. Let's just call it America. <laughs> the pursuit of it. And he flips it and he starts saying things like this. Blessed, happy, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are grieving and mourning. Blessed are the hungry. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. <laughs> See, it was perfect timing, man. Do that again. Do, why can't people do that more on perfect timing? He says, blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the thirsty. Blessed are those that are in, in that drought. Blessed are those. And then he talks, give it away. And he flips this thing upside down. And, and, and the disciples' response Look at the disciples' response. It's not, ah, the rich can't get in. We forsook all the problem. The rich can't get in. We can't stand those people anyway. All bougie walking into our services. Can't stand them anyway. Flip their nose up like us because they drive through our, look at us, look down on us. No, that's not that. These guys, they're saying, look, this guy just humiliated himself in front of God and everybody. Everybody's going to talk about this. And this guy has kept the law and the rules since he was a boy. And on top of that, he has God's blessing of financial resources. And if this cat who humiliated himself kept the law, shows God's favor and blessing on his life, if he can't make it in, we're toast. Who in the thunder is going to make it in? Are we following the right guy here? And Jesus was showing. You can have the right answers. You can go to church. Your mom and daddy may have forced you to come in here. And you can show the appearances. But I'm telling you, you can be sincere and never be sold out. Because Jesus brings into question his eternal life. And he brings up the subject of money. You can be sincere and not be sold out. We can prove it over and 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 over. 
It's an issue of who do you believe and what do you trust? Here's the second thing Jesus is showing us that we got to be careful of is that you can be seduced by your success. He says there is a danger here that doesn't appear. It's always easy for you to spot greed in everybody else, but you never spot it in yourself. It's hard to spot in yourself. That's why Jesus said, watch out for all forms of greed. He didn't say, watch out for all forms of pornography or sleeping around or smoking a joint and getting high and getting drunk. He didn't say that. He said, watch for greed because those things are obvious when they're destroying you, but you never notice greed when it's destroying you because you don't see it. I did, did I tell you there are other churches in town in case this doesn't work for you? I want you to stay, but there are other places, okay? But Jesus draws this line of delicate balance. He does, and you've got to catch this. In fact, even in our culture, there's an economic philosophy in our culture right now that believes that you can't accrue great wealth without exploiting or defrauding somebody. That's around right now. It's very popular that somehow you were dishonest you exploited people. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't people that. But there's an economic philosophy right now that is that right now. In fact, there's even one that if you hold a lot of wealth, it's injustice if you have a lot of money. It's there. This is not what Jesus is talking. Because Jesus asked the guy. So they say you think you got it because you did something wrong. or you, you, you know, that's, what they, that's what they assume. A lot of people do. A lot of Christians do. How am I doing? Never mind, I'm not asking. I'm going to keep going. So Jesus looks at the cat, looks at him, the rich young ruler, and looks at him and says, have you defrauded? Are you a liar? Did you really report on your IRS return what you really did bring in? Have you stolen from anybody? Have you mistreated your employees? He's, all of this is being read into this. He's given the law. And the young man says, Jesus, I have kept all of these things since I was a boy. I have not strayed from it. Just ask my parents, ask my employees, ask them all. And you know what? Jesus doesn't go, yeah, right. Jesus doesn't do it. Jesus accepts his answer because Jesus has knowledge of all truth. And he accepts his answer. Son, you're telling me the truth. This shows that people can make great wealth and accrue great wealth by being honest, integrous, generous people. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care if you speak in tongues or not, but if you're dishonest in business, please don't tell them you're with us. Do it honestly. Don't fudge margins. Be honest and integrous because Jesus shows that you can have great wealth, accurate, and even have it and steward it properly and bless people by living in integrity. Can somebody say amen? Thank you, Jesus, for that. So this is why the disciples, and as I'm studying this, why I'm tripped up. Because the disciples recognize this guy is virtuous. And they're saying, man, if this cat is not worthy of heaven, then who is? Who is? So what does this mean? What does this all mean? On the one hand, 
Jesus has no ideological problem with wealth creation that it's not, it's not bad to acquire it, to gain it. It's not good, it's not bad, or it's not evil. On the other hand, he says stuff like this in verse 25. Watch this. Are you ready for this? It's e He's telling them, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I know some of you have heard this. Many people try to interpret what this means. Oh, that the eye, the needle, that really is, was a place in the wall of Jerusalem for security reasons for the city that they would have a small entry at night that they would have to go through and a person would have to go through and take their camels or their donkeys and had to strip everything down. The man had to strip everything down and get that animal through that tight little way as they could have more security to see what was in there, what they were bringing in. And Well, that sounds really good. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. It's not this very narrow place. Because with a man doing that, it's hard for them to do it, but a man could still do it and it wouldn't be impossible for him. He could still enter in. How many of you know that we have metaphors and sayings here in our culture? How many of you, every culture has them. Let me, tell you, let me tell you one that we have in America. You ready for this one? This one. Snowball's chance in hell. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, you're in church, so you're not going to raise your hand. I get it. <laughs> he don't have a snowball's chance in hell of making it. Jesus is clear on this. He is talking about a literal camel and a literal eye of a sewing needle, and you're not going through. <laughs> snowball's chance in hell you're going through is what he's saying. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He is clear. This one's not for a different interpretation. He's clear. So what is, what, what is Jesus saying? Well, let's tell me what, what he's not saying. He is not saying it is a sin or wrong to be rich. That's not what he's saying. He is not saying it's sin or wrong for you to have wealth and have acquired it. He's not saying rich people bad, good people, poor. Good people are the poor people. That's not what he's saying. Nor is he saying... It's, it's, it's not that serious when it comes to this issue. Y'all just be careful with your money. Don't get greedy. Be generous. No. Let me tell you what Jesus is really saying here. And let me paraphrase it for you. You ready for this? He is saying money has such a power to blind us or control us that unless it is surrendered to God, it will become our God and we will be lost. He says, don't be seduced by your success, your position, your power, money. Because if you don't continually lay it at the feet of the Savior, it will control you. It will be your God. It will. That's what he's saying. That will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. So let's go back to this one question that he has. The, the guy has this one question, his big question. Verse 17, good teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And let me just break it down to you what the answer is. You must have the Savior as your source and nothing else. Jesus Christ has to be the center. He has to be the core and nothing else can be the center or the core of your life. He has to be the hub on which the wheel turns. What happens is, is people take these things that spin around the wheel, the hub, and they turn it into the hub, the center, the core on which the entire vehicle stands. 
He says, I am the one that everything stands and revolves around. So your money revolves all around what I say and what I teach you. Your sex life goes all around of what Jesus Christ shows you and teach you to have a healthy sexual life and a healthy sexual identity. Are you watching this? When it comes to business, everything must revolve around Jesus Christ, not the business, not the business be the center, and we'll adjust God to how we need him to fit in the business and how we do business. He's saying everything must be the center. So watch this. The rich young ruler, here's what was happening. He was using his wealth, his position, and his power. He was using his wealth as a spiritual treasure to deal with his spiritual poverty that he knew he had. That's what he was doing. And Jesus was surfing this. He's bringing this out because we know what's happening to him. Listen, he's kept the law. He's got the money. He sees the blessing of God, but Jesus knew there's something you are not telling. It has slipped in and you don't even know it. And it was something good that I gave you. And it's become the center. It's become the source. That's what's happening to you. And Jesus looks at this guy and this guy says, something's missing, Jesus. Something is missing. Something is missing. And that's why I'm running to you. How do I get it? He knew something was missing and he was doing everything right. But he knew something was missing and Jesus knew what it was. That is the cry of our generation in the United States of America right now. It is the cry within the church of America right now is something is still missing and I don't know what it is. That is the cry and they are going to everything to try to find it. They are going to relationships they should not be in because they are trying to find this missing aching within their soul. They have been popular on every social media platform, but they're still aching in their soul. They have won every award, but they're still aching in their soul. They've had sex with more people than you can count, and they're still aching in their soul. They have tried every drug, and they're still aching in their soul. They got married, but they're still aching in their soul. They had children, and they're still aching in their soul. There's something within them that's saying something is missing. They're trying everything. Everything. They're trying every new age guru. They're trying crystals. They're trying Kabbalah. They're trying Allah. They're shopping at the mala. I mean, they're doing everything. <laughs> Spending money and they still, what, what's, what is this anguish? Why is, it, why is it still burning in it? Because you're like the rich young ruler. Something is missing. Something's missing. And you can speak in tongues and something is missing. How are we doing, everybody? Something's missing. So what Jesus does is Jesus exposes his deficiencies. Jesus shows him, you are using your money, your goodness, your position, and even my blessings to try to fill the sense of your emptiness. And you're doing it. You can do this. I can do this. Money can do. Jesus said, this is why you got to watch for it because it can get in there and not even know it. You'll say things that need to be said in a room at a workplace because you know it affects your money. And Jesus is no longer the hub which it revolves around. It can be your looks. God wants you to take care of your body, but you're so caught up with your looks. You've got every filter in the world on your social media platform. Everybody knows it but you're so consumed with rejection, yet you say, I've given my life to Jesus, but now it has become the center of your core of people's perception of me. It can become your relationships. 
that you actually get in relationships that are harmful and dangerous to you because you're trying to deal with this emptiness? Are you tracking with what Jesus is trying to do here? It can be your position at work. You're so afraid that you're going to lose your position that now you are doing things in the workplace to sabotage other people and things in the company because you are afraid of your position being lost because it has become the center and the core of who you are. You can even do this with your own children. You can make your kids the very center of your core that you won't even have the, the honest, loving conversations with them because you fear your son or daughter might reject you or your husband or your wife or the person you're dating might reject you unless you have it. But you will sacrifice the source of Jesus Christ because that person has become the whole hub of your life. And this is what Jesus was saying to him. Jesus said, I want you to imagine a world, young man. Imagine it where there's no money, there's no fine clothing, there's no trust fund, there's no 401 plan, there's no savings, there's nothing. All you have is me. How are we doing? You lose it all like Job, how are we doing? That's what he wants to know. You don't get the boyfriend, you don't get the girlfriend, how are you doing alone? You lose the job or you gain a job. How you doing? And here's what's happening. Our response to wealth reveals our source. And that's what happened to this boy. Watch. Jesus says, go sell what you have. Give to the poor. Treasure in heaven. Follow me. Watch this. The response was he went away sad. In fact, the word there is grieved. Everybody say grieved. Okay, we're going to go a little deeper. Who wants to go a little deeper? Pop your snorkel on. We're going down. Let's go. That word grieved is the same word grieved in the Greek that's used in Matthew 26, where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's getting ready to be crucified. They are going to rip him to shreds. He's going to shed his blood for your salvation. And while he's in that garden, the Bible says that sweat drops of blood start pouring out because he's at the borderline. His body is going into shock. He's in such trauma. What is the trauma over? Is the trauma over dying? I'm sure that had part of it. Was the trauma over being beaten, spit upon for you? I'm sure that was part of it. But I promise you what he was really suffering, why Jesus was suffering in that garden was because Jesus knew that he was getting ready to experience ultimate loss of joy, ultimate loss of life. Jesus was getting ready to lose the meaning of life he was getting ready to lose the core, the center of his identity, and guess what that was? It was losing his father, who he never disconnected from. I've got to have you, God. If they've seen me, they've seen the father. It's all you and me. And for the first time in his life, he was going to be separated from the thing that gave him identity, that gave him purpose, that gave him meaning, that gave him life, because he was getting ready to take your sins and Sam Reifkogel's sin upon his life so that you could be free. And now for the first time, he's going to be separated from his father. The meaning of life was going to be gone. And so sweat drops of blood and grief came out of him. Let me show you what I'm talking about. When this young man, Jesus, finally hits the source of his deficiency, the Bible says he went into the same kind of grief Jesus did because money, loss of money to him was equivalent to the loss of the Holy Heavenly Father God to Jesus Christ. He put money and God at the same level and the same importance. 
And that's what Jesus was exposing. So what if you're all alone by yourself? What if you lose the job? He's saying, when those things are gone, when I'm the core, he's showing you, you have all the joy of life, all the meaning of life. Does it make any difference who you're living with, what workplace your environment you're in? He says, you can survive and overcome because I am the whole source. And he said, I'm going to be disconnected from my father. And when he said to that boy, sweat popped on that boy's brow. He started grieving because money was to him what the heavenly father was to Jesus Christ. So when messages like this come and it challenges you, he may be saying, am I truly the center, the core of everything? How are we doing, everybody? But when Christ comes in, let me tell you what happens. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Money's not perfect love. Your sex life is not perfect love. Your husband, your wife is not perfect love. Jesus is perfect love and it casts out all fear. So the closer I get to him, my fear and my anxiety diminish. So guess what happens? The closer I get to Jesus Christ, guess what money becomes? Money just becomes money. And so when I look at my giving record to help the kingdom of God, I don't cringe and say we're doing too much. I'm looking, what else you want? I'm not here to argue whether tithing is biblical or if it's New Testament or Old Testament. <laughs> I'm ready to say whatever you want. Take it all. You're not sitting there giving up. Listen, young people, listen to this. Listen closely. I know young men and young ladies that will compromise their sexual integrity that God created because they are in fear of losing that boyfriend and that girlfriend because they won't put out. Drop them. Drop them. They're no good for you. Drop them. You know why? Because they're not God and they're not your ultimate source of life. They are not. Threatened by your job. Threatened when your kids say something. You're threatened. When you keep in that perfect, doesn't mean you don't go through frustration and you don't experience stress. I'll take my word for it. Or grief. But when you face it, he says, and I'm the ultimate source of life. It just becomes money. Because he's my whole source. And I will overcome. Because that perfect love drives out the fear and it diminishes. My anxiety goes away. I'm not sitting there watching the stock market going, I hope I made the right decision. I hope I made the right decision. You walk in peace. You don't fear economies. You don't fear the Dow Jones. You're not sitting there waiting to what Jerome, Jerome Powell is going to say next, who's going to go up, is going to go down. Go look at the word of God before you go look to what a president or a head of state is going to say. We're living in such fear of man. You know what else happens when you close to him? You stop resenting other people's blessings when they get promoted on the job. They have a boyfriend. You don't, you rejoice with them. I'm not a very big amen, but take my word for it. You do. I rejoice when a church right down here at the end of our driveway is a, is a pod 
with what we brought to the city. I rejoice. I want them to succeed. I hope they pack their building out three and four times a day. I rejoice with them. I'm not threatened by a church. I'm not threatened by a pastor. I'm not trying to check them out to see what they're doing. I don't send spies in their church to find out what they're doing. I could care less. I want to do what the Father says because all I need is me and Jesus. Tell me what you want from me. And when Jesus does that, when that happens, Jesus moves toward people like that. And they start, freely I receive, freely I give. Have me say amen. Amen. So uh, what he was really wanting was just that kid. And you know, I love this part about this. You know what Jesus said in verse 21? I want you to look at this real quick. Everybody just look at this. This is good. Don't, I hope you didn't miss it. It says Jesus looked at him and what everybody loved him. The kid hadn't performed, hadn't even done what Jesus said, but Jesus loved him when it started. He loved him through the process, and he loved him even after he rejected what Jesus had to say. He loved him. And I'm here to tell those of you in this room, if you're trying to perform to get Jesus, not going to work. You need to say, Jesus, I want you to be my ultimate source of everything in my life. I surrender myself to you. I give my heart and my life to you, Jesus. I want to give it all away right now, God. My life, I'll do whatever you want, God. I surrender to your lordship today. You are the Lord of my life, and I surrender. That's what Jesus is asking you, because once you do that, all these other things start going to the side, and you're not living in anxiety. You're not threatened. You're not in panic. You start resting in the pure relationship of Jesus Christ. Can somebody give Jesus praise in this house for who he is and what he means to us? Because you say, well, Jesus doesn't know. Jesus knew what this guy was going through. You know why? Because Jesus was a rich young ruler too. And he knew what he was getting ready to lose. And that's why he grieved because he didn't want to lose the father. You need Jesus.